Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Word Podcast. We are in the second chapter of Daniel now, beginning it with verse 1. You know, there's so many things in the book of Daniel that uh, need to be explored and bring up questions and stuff like that. Uh, some of these things we will actually talk about. Some we won't. <laughs> it just sort of goes beyond the purview of this time together. But I really encourage you as we're going along, if you find your spirit sort of drawn to this book, just spend a lot of time in it. Okay, Spend time personally studying Spend time personally examining the words, <clears throat> what they mean. And then as things go along, if you have questions about interpretation or if you want to see receive other people's comments on it, that's fine. Uh, drop me a note. You can drop me a note wherever you find this podcast. There's ways of doing that. And I can sort of guide you to some things that are be useful. There's a lot of things that aren't useful, but there are some things that are useful. Okay. So this is Daniel chapter 2, verse 1 says this. Now, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. So this is the second year of Nebuchadnezzar reigning as king. Now there's debate over that, you know, uh, as to the timing. Uh, there was a co-regency with his father and things like that. We're not going to worry about that right now. But either way you go, he's at the beginning of his reign, and he has dreams, okay? And his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Uh, trouble to what degree? Well, we see from the just overt word in here that he couldn't sleep. His sleep left him, but he was having these dreams. Notice this in the plural. Okay, so either a series of dreams or one night with dream after dream after dream, whatever it was, he was very very anxious. Okay, now, the idea being that his spirit was stirred up within him and he was troubled and his sleep had left him. So what did he do? Verse two. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. Now, you're going to see in the book of Daniel that often there's uh, pass there's passages or words or phrases that are repeated over and over and over. This is one of them. You're going to see this thing with magicians, conjurers, sorcerers, and Chaldeans. We covered magicians and conjurers in the previous episode. The idea behind a sorcerer is one that practices witchcraft. It's exactly what we would think of it, okay? It's one who calls upon supernatural powers. And you see this all through the scripture. Like King Manasseh, one of the kings of Israel, was involved in this kind of thing, okay? They call upon supernatural powers. Now, here's the thing. These supernatural powers are real. You know, often we think that, well, magicians and conjurers and sorcerers, they're calling upon something that's not really real. They are real. Since they are real, that's the reason that the Lord tells us not to do that, not to call upon them. Well, who are the Chaldeans? <coughs> well, Chaldea and the Chaldeans, Chaldeans is often uh, considered to be synonymous with Babylonians. In other words, where Daniel is right now, okay? And that's true. But sometimes Chaldeans refers to a certain type of people, a certain group of people, which is what's going on right here. Uh, the Chaldeans right here are a priestly group of people, and they studied the heavenly bodies, the sun, moon, and stars, and we're looking for signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Aha, well, that makes sense now, right? 
So the king calls for these folks and he says, come in. I want you to tell me about the dreams here. And notice what it says in verse two, to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. If you're just reading this sort of at a surface level and flying through, you think, oh, he wants them to come in and interpret the dreams. Well, he did. But we're about to find out that there was much, much more to it. Verse three, the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Okay. Verse four, (coughs) then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. Notice it says they're speaking now in Aramaic. This and the following scripture, I think up through the seventh chapter, or at least up to the seventh chapter, but maybe through the seventh chapter, are in Aramaic. There's little points of Aramaic here and there in the Old Testament, but this is a long extended portion of it. So they're speaking in Aramaic, and they say this, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. Well, that's a logical thing. Okay, you've had a dream. You're anxious about it. Tell me what the dream is, and I'll help you interpret it. I'll interpret it for you. Verse 5, the king replied to the Chaldeans, The command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap, literally a dung heap. Well, then the Chaldeans begin to realize, wait, we got a problem out here. He's serious about what he said at the beginning. Not only does he want us to interpret the dream, he wants us to tell what the dream was, to tell him the dream, and then interpret it. Verse 6, but if you declare the dream, and this is the king speaking, if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. (laughs) Well, there we go. He just laid it flat out for him. Well, obviously, they're going to be panicking, right? Verse 6, they answered a second time and said, let the king tell the dream to his servants, and we will declare the interpretation. King was having nothing to do with it. Verse 80 says, the king replied, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time inasmuch as you have seen that the command for me is firm. Verse 9, that if you do not make known the dream to me, there's only one decree for you. For you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. So he's sitting there saying, I don't have time to mess with this. He's so anxious. He's so bent out of shape over this dream. He said, I'm not going to do anything like this. I know that if I tell you the dream, then y'all going to get together and you're going to come up with something that sounds great and wonderful. And you're going to tell me that's what it is. And you're all going to agree on it. And I'm never going to know if that's a true interpretation. But if you can tell me what the dream is, then I will know that the interpretation that you give me is true. <laughs> Verse 10. Listen to the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there's not a man on earth who could declare the, the matter before the king. And as much as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there's no one else who could declare it to the king except gods whose dwelling place is not with mortal men. And so they sort of came back at the king. They said, hey, no great king has ever done this before. In other words, they're questioning whether he's great or not. You know, even the kings knew their limits, what they're saying. This is something that can't be done by man. Only the gods can do this. 
And the God's dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Notice there's gods, plural, and they believed gods. So they said, we can't do this. So verse 12, because of this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. So we see that Daniel and his friends were included in with this group of wise men. Okay, That doesn't mean that they were standing before him. The ones that were standing before Nebuchadnezzar were the leaders of it. They were the big dudes, right? But they, they are sitting there saying, we can't do this. No one, no great king has ever asked for this kind of thing. The king didn't care. He is so anxious over this dream that he is going to kill all of his wise men. Because what good are wise men if they can't give you the wisdom that you're desiring? It's an intense moment, is it not? It also sets us up for what we're going to see next. You likely know the next part of the story. But I want you to see that this king was having dreams. There was problems. He couldn't figure it out. He went to his source of wisdom and found nothing of help. Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.